0: You're the talent. That's what you guys are.
1: (laughs) I like this gig.
0: (laughs) That's right. Just show up and look pretty. Come on, man. Who could ask for anything more?
1: Yeah, Ernest. We don't need to change nothing.
0: (laughs) So welcome to another episode of Like-Minded Men. We're chilling in the church and there's a bit of a fog in the air. Should I be getting worried? No, I don't think so. You don't see it, or is it just... It's
1: a bit hazy.
2: (laughs) It's a bit hazy. The youth are cooking a meal downstairs, Ah, so... there we go. (laughs) (laughs) There could be an issue, but I think we're good. We're we're upstairs, so... We're upstairs.
0: We're okay. Okay, so now we're going to be sitting here tonight in the haze, and we're going to be chatting about testimonies. We're going to be giving some testimonies and talking about the Bible. Give a little testimonies tonight. I got one. Okay, what you got? So... It was a vision
2: or a dream that I had about how – and that's – because every time I've told it, it's been kind of the short version. So I I feel this is a good platform to use to be able to share it in its entirety. So one night just at home, this is when we were back in San Diego, the dream or the vision starts off, and you're walking through this huge desert valley. And there's two groups of people, and I think I might have mentioned this a little bit, My group was over here on the left, and there was a couple of faces that I recognized, but there was a lot of people that I didn't recognize. And then over on the right was another huge group of people. Couldn't really see their faces, so we're both walking along. Both groups of people are walking along through this desert valley. And after walking a little ways, it seems like the earth just drops in front of us. And it was, I don't know, 10, 15 feet away, the the earth just... Boom, it just drops. And there's this huge cloud of dust and it just created this massive, you know, like when you see the pictures of an earthquake fault, but this was magnified by a thousand. This just huge canyon now that's settled in front of us. And I'm holding my group back. And as I look, I don't really see the people that are on the right anymore. Don't really see them. I'm more focused on what's around me and what's with us. And so... As we start to look in front of us, we see these huge planks come out of the sky. And they would just come like those kind of planks that would form a bridge. You've got runners going across the bridge, but it was just these huge planks. I couldn't tell you how big they were. Boom, boom, one right next to each other, just creating what looked to be this bridge. And so all the dust that's underneath the bridge is kind of just billowing there and... You know, these things are just falling out of the sky, creating this pathway for us. And as you look at the pathway, you watch the pathway, and you see these on the other side, beautiful blue sky, tree-lined hills, pine trees of various sorts on the hills out in front of us. And it was just like, gosh, I really wonder what this means. And so part of it was, I, I told some guys at church, and and at the church I used to go to, and, you know, some guys are just like, you know, obviously God's taking you somewhere, but, and I don't know who those people were that were on the right, but somebody else had told me, he goes, well, it looks like your foundation is falling out in front of you, and that's what that was. But I knew at that time that not all visions and dreams are meant for other people. Some of them are to bring glory to, you know, to build up, edify the people of God to bring glory to God. And some of those are just specifically for you. But these were all things that I saw. So anyways, we're looking over, and we can see these beautiful tree-lined mountains, hills in front of us. Then the vision ended. So that's when we were still down in San Diego, and as, as my wife and I were, I'm working 50, 60 hours a week to try and make ends meet. We've got six children, four adopted, two biological kids, really trying to make things happen. And I'm working all these crazy hours, and I'm never seeing my family at all. And Dawn comes to me, and she goes, you know, your kids don't really know who you are. I mean, they know, but I'm not there as much as I should be at all because I'm trying to, you know, make ends meet. Pay for the high cost of living that comes with the Southern California and the sunshine tax. So anyways, we said we need to pray about this and figure out what to do because it's just working like a dog and never catching a break. And the money that you would save would ultimately go for something, you know, a medical bill, a car repair, whatever. So we got on our face and we prayed. And within a couple of days, I came home and I said, babe, you know, I really believe that we're supposed to move to Idaho.
0: Now, had you had that thought in your head at all before Idaho?
2: Never. I, mean, I knew Idaho was a from? state.
0: Where did the where did that idea come from?
2: I believe it was planted there by God, straight up. Okay. That this is where we're supposed to go because we prayed, and that was the answer that I got. And I said, I believe God's telling us we're supposed to go to Idaho. She's like, okay. So the next day I come home, there's boxes all over the living room, and there's bags of stuff. And I go, what are you doing? Obviously, it looks like she's packing to move. And I was thinking, did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Did I spend money I shouldn't have? What did I do to deserve this? No, not really. But I was kind of thinking that in the back of my head. And she goes, if you said God said we're going to Idaho, then we're going. Wow.
0: That's amazing.
2: And she, she came right alongside me. Because it was that faith that we had, and she knew that she could trust what I believe God was sharing with me to take that home. So we move. We don't know anybody up here. We knew some people that lived in Meridian. And she's like, is that where we're supposed to go? And I go, no. And come to find out after applying for jobs, 35 different applications throughout the state of Idaho, wow. I find a job in Pullman.
0: Washington. Washington. Washington,
2: (laughs) And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. But anyways, so we move. Um, The first month is staying what used to be the Royal Motor Inn here in Moscow when it was a complete dump. Mm -hmm. And then later on, we get our first house to rent. And I don't know. Don fell asleep downstairs downstairs. At about 2.33, o'clock in the morning, I wake up just freaking out, but not in a bad way, just going, oh
0: my gosh,
2: I, I get it, I know what happened, I know what this vision is all about, and I come barreling down the stairs, Don, 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 and I'm like freaking, and she wakes up, and she almost snaps her neck, and you know, trying to... What? What? Yeah, exactly. What, what the heck is going on? And I go, babe, I got it. I I got. I know what this means. And she's just like, so she's awake now. And I tell her, and I said, so what happened was in the vision, the group of people that we knew, and then there was that group of people on the right, that group of people on the right, because we left the church that we were at in San Diego. God revealed to me that that was the church that we left. And there was going to be this group, and some of those faces that were in our group were people from the San Diego area mm-hmm. that would make their way up here. And all the other people were all the new people that you're going to meet when you get planted into a new church, and friends and co-workers and things like that. So he already made a path for you. So as those people went away, what that represented The next part, so I'll I'll skip ahead just a little bit. So when the ground fell out, that was revealed to me that there was going to be this church split. So when we left the church prior to a church split happening, you know, a lot of people, because a lot of people, you could see they were looking at our group, like, Mm. you know, giving us growls and snares and uh, stares and stuff like that. But the ground that fell out was it represented the church split and that everything had caved. We had already left and we didn't want to talk about the church that we had left right. because we didn't want to spread gossip or anything like that. You know, it's just like, well, we prayed about it and this is what we're doing. So those people eventually went away. That dust that kept rising in the now what is the canyon yeah, the before canyon. us was all the yuck that had happened from this church split. And it's still going on today. This was so the church in San Diego did split? Yes. Okay. And it wound up splitting like 80-20, 80% left. And it was only about 100% church max with that. And it was pretty ugly. And that stuff still surfaces that we hear from other people. It's like, no, we don't want to deal with that. So as we're looking, those planks, obviously, that fell down and created this bridge, that is where God was leading us. So skip ahead a month, two months. Now it was a pretty bad winter, so it was a yeah, it was about 3 months later. <laughs> We're driving along. I'm driving along and I'm on Mountain View Road. So Mountain View Road runs north and south. And so I'm driving southbound on Mountain View Road. I cross over the 8 highway. And it was like I felt God was telling me to pull over and look. So I pull over and I look. So Paradise Ridge is that hillside that's up there with all the trees on it. That's exactly the picture that was in the
1: vision. <laughs> oh my that's so
0: cool. Man. That is great. We are home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and
1: it's wow. cool. Ernest.
2: So it was um it's amazing. It chokes me up. It brings tears every time I think about it. Mm-hmm. That it was it was about being obedient and doing what he said and why we were gonna move up here. It's in God's plan. Mm -hmm. We've been up here for over ten years, and there's been a lot of crazy stuff that have happened. That's been good, and
0: uh, you know. So, what year did you come up here,
2: you Mm -hmm. and Don? When did you move up here? Two thousand, I think it was like two thousand
0: nine. Okay.
2: Yeah. So it's been about ten years.
0: Well, I'm I'm gonna call you out, old man, because it says here in Joel two promise of the spirit it says it will come about after this that i will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams
1: boom oh that's crazy (laughs) man he's therefore been labeled as an old man you are now officially an old man and that's according to god man that's (laughs)
0: that's not me and jay that's right i got a question for you jay do we need to lean together and you can look at our faces up were we in your dream (laughs)
1: <laughs> were we feeling those faces? faces? Did you foresee this? Can you? Did you foresee us? Were we there? That's really cool, Ernest. And that is amazing. You know what I? Um, what really stuck out with me about what you just said about your sharing that that dream and that vision that you'd had was that you and your wife took it seriously. First of all, said, "Hey, God's trying to show us something. Let's be in prayer about this." Right. So you were active. in in seeking his will and trying to understand exactly what he was trying to share with you. And when you came home after feeling compelled and led by God that he wanted you to relocate to Idaho, you went to work the next day, you came home, and your wife was packing. Yeah. That's really cool. That's crazy cool. I mean – you know, you don't have to tell her twice, right? <laughs> right. She's she's
2: on like Donkey Kong. It was just, it was crazy, and and I was I was blown away. Could and you she have, was all game? She was game.
0: Could you have done it without her?
1: Would you have done it without her?
2: No, because similar story like yours, how your wife yep. or your girlfriend yep. at the time yep. led you to Christ. She helped to get me there too. Bingo. So no. And if it wasn't for that, I don't know where I'd be. Yeah. I'd it probably be some surfboard, surf, surf bum scum down yeah, in San Diego. Just, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Lost. Yeah. That's that's a good, good term. Yeah. Cool. Because as she tried to bring me into it, I was totally in denial. I grew mm-hmm. up Catholic. And when I became the. The day that I became a born again Christian, my mom's
0: like, Oh, you're one of those born again. <laughs> now did your life your did your wife lead you to Christ? Was she a believer before you were?
2: Yes. I believed in God and then I feel like I kind of backslid and went into like this agnostic phase, not denying, but just like where's the proof? But that's the key, is stories like this, stories that we share here at this table, makes it real. Totally. And so what was that piece that you had said in the beginning? You have to believe, believe it. Have
0: receive it. The ABCs. You have to admit it. Admit it. Believe it. Believe it. And then confess it. And confess it. You were a sorry lot before God, worldly. <laughs> Before we met God, weren't we? I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm throwing you all in my dirty old bucket. I was just, I couldn't imagine being the age I am today, still doing what I was doing 30 years ago. I just can't imagine.
2: Wow. Well, and that's the thing. You, you I mean, I, I feel that we all know people. Sorry, that's the end of the episode. Oh,
0: cancel. I, I got to learn how to shut off my phone. You just throw it and it'll. Just, just throw it, yeah. Boom, a phone. It'll come back. That <laughs> just brought an end to the episode. i got to change that ringtone. Mm-hmm. It needs to be something a little more subtle. It does. Do we have the fluttering of angels' wings or something?
2: Yeah. <laughs> we can Google that.
0: Yeah, you probably got to... <laughs> Is that one of your homemade little goose calls? No, it would be a goose.
2: Chirpy birds that he can pluck off with BB guns in his yard. (laughs) (laughs) He likes to hear the little poof of the BB coming out to the gun and the poof (laughs) of the feathers flying out to the tree.
0: (laughs) We have lost ground on this one. No, we haven't. So what, before the stupid chime went off, um, couldn't have done it without your wife couldn't wow. imagine couldn't imagine being what we were before god now
2: well what i was going to say yeah. before the chime went off is we all know what we've done mm-hmm. we know people that just could have thrown their lives away right. in the trash not giving it a second thought but then we've seen those people just totally radically changed 180 degree turn
1: that is true one of the most powerful things that we can do is share our testimony with with those around us I right and I, I do think that there's a there's definitely a time and a place um, but I think that's one of the easiest ways that God gives us to be able to give witness to other people. Right. You know, um, we don't have to be uh, a biblical scholar, correct? Or uh, have uh, attended a a Bible college. Right. Um, we we don't have to. There's no qualification to be somebody who's been radically saved, except that. You, you just have to confess and profess and believe in your heart right. and but, but what my point was there's there's no qualification required to be able to share what God has done in our life right via testimony right, right. Yeah. We can easily sit down next to somebody we know well, next to somebody we've never met and and share how God has changed us. And how our life has been changed by God, and it's relatable because it's it's real, true, real. and the person that we're sharing it with can relate to to that, right? Regardless, so um, I just think that's the power of doing what we're doing right now tonight. Is you know you, you shared some some of your testimony, and I know there's a lot more to go. Oh yeah. that's just the scraping of the bucket man
0: oh my goodness yeah but and and we're all qualified to do it absolutely because god has moved mightily in each of our lives and i mean even for the people listening out there your testimony is amazing
1: Mm -hmm. and it's it's so powerful i think you nailed it it's so powerful it's totally powerful and you know my wife called me out on this um, maybe just yesterday or, or the night before, perhaps, but you know, I've never really shared my testimony with my kids. Okay. And um, I, I've just been waiting for God to kind of come a knocking. Yeah, there. yeah. Hello. I, you know, I've always known that there would be a time, there would mm-hmm. be a place. And certainly experiences that I've had through the journey. Um, I've I've been able to share it with my kids, you know, right. at different times in part various words of wisdom, if you will. Right. <laughs> um, but never, never my my testimony. And so my wife's like, Jay, you, you know, you got to let it out. And I'm like, you know, you're right, I, but I, I do feel like there's a time and there's a place. Right. And and, and because her testimony, you know, we we got saved together. My wife and I. Did you? Are special. That's, that's, um, that's cool. You know, within the same time frame, I yeah. should say. You okay. know, but our circumstances were all interwoven, and right. it happened as a married couple, you know, um, and and within a very close amount of time. Right. So we both had, had been through it. So a large part of her testimony involves me. Yep. And so she has always felt, which she shared with me last night. Because she started a Bible study. Yes,
0: yeah, she did. That my your wife, wife was attended. There. Yes. I
1: don't know if your wife is coming or not. I don't think I saw her. Okay. We Tuesday night. Yep, yeah, we need to tell her about it.
0: Sure, 630.
1: So, um, you know, she was like, well, I, I might end up sharing my testimony, but I feel like I have to ask your permission in order to share my testimony because it involves so much of you. Right. And I was like, you know, baby, you don't have to. And I said, I've, you know, I've... I've been forgiven for what I've done and there's no shame there's no guilt it's you know it's it no longer exists that person is no longer me right. and uh, so you know you share it. but we also talked about there's there's a way to share an appropriate testimony right right uh, given the circumstances yep. the people that you're with yep. you know because sometimes you might want to say you might want to go deeper and you might want to be more Specific know, Specific about what, what you experienced yeah, and what details. you went through yep. Exactly And other times, you know, that's going to be way too deep yep. Or or you're in the presence of people that have They're like, wow, I never, <laughs> right. you know Yeah, it's kind of like knowing your audience Yeah, you got to know your audience yeah, you know. So I think there's a time and there's a place right. For us to share our testimony But it is right. definitely something that God gives us as a gift Absolutely.
0: I've never thought of it like that as a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Now, I want to put you on the spot. And I can edit this out. But do you think this is a time and place for yours? (laughs) (laughs) You set yourself up.
1: So I heard the chimes.
0: Yes. (laughs) The buzzer already went off. (laughs) This is episode,
1: this is the next episode, dude. So,
0: seriously, what we can do, like, like he his is his was a perfect boom yeah and he ended it and well i could record a little you know that's one of our st- our testimonies right there and um hit us again you know next week or two and uh you're gonna hear from jason yeah you know I next mean,
1: testimony I c- tuesday
0: there it is and i can i can set that up. we can do that right now i could just wrap his up and i can say and you know now here's the next one now what you just said that's a beautiful intro to yours <laughs> if, if you feel comfortable. Now, if you don't, that intro, it's digitally saved. <laughs> right. So it's Seriously. totally okay. So yeah. literally, no. let's say it's a year from now, and you're like, bro, I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'll pull that out, and i us say, no. Ernest, you remember this a year ago when Jason well, laid this?
1: Yeah. No, yeah. I get where you're going. Yeah. But the thing is, is he didn't really give his full testimony. He, no, I wanted he to give a portion of it. Yeah. Yeah. He he just shared yeah, uh, a, a, a little a little taste of of it right i know there's a whole lot more for you there and, and so you know are you wanting to hear more you want to hear all of his well you know if he wants to share it then i'm not trying to put it off i'm just saying yeah i know that you've got a lot more right. testimony to share so oh
0: man yeah because you shared that that's a, that's a dream you had yeah you know but how did you accept christ
2: Well, high school was, I wouldn't say it was all about me, but I was kind of selfish. <laughs> yep. I think, I, and, and there was, there was a, I guess if you wanted to look in Webster's dictionary for complacency, you'd see my picture next to it. I felt, I felt pretty, I'm good where I'm at. I didn't take constructive criticism very well. Um, high school was parties, mostly alcohol. I felt like I was always trying to look for a girl. But I didn't have the gumption to go up to any girls, really. So I really didn't date much in high school. So, Because I didn't meet my wife until my senior year, but... You know, I watched some weird stuff growing up as being in a household where it was my brother and I. My brother's nine years older than me. Um, Both my parents have passed away now. But watching my dad come home drunk, very, very drunk. One time coming home, he was at a company party. We went to a company party together, but it was at a lake called Lake Jennings, in San Diego County. You can look it up. So as we were coming home, like I said, my dad was just rip-roaring drunk. We're coming down a hill. I look over at him. He's kind of slumped off to one side. The truck that we were driving in was now in the oncoming lane of traffic down a windy kind of hilly road. And I reached over with everything I had, and this was before I was 10 years old. I could have been 7, 8. Maybe reaching across, grabbing the steering wheel and yanking it back over. And my dad saying, what? He wakes up. What the bleep are you doing? And the truck just whizzed right past us. And I'm just freaked. I'm shaking like a leaf. I'm sweating. I'm crying. And he's like, shut up and all this other stuff. So we get home and I get out of the truck. I'm just in tears. My dad goes to the front yard. He's throwing up in the front yard because he's so drunk my mom's standing there at the door of the house, just like, he's done it again. Right. But in, in light of that, I felt that there was uh gosh, there's so many different things, man. You just can't, you know, and, and, I, and I remember growing up, I did soccer through third grade all the way up to high school. I didn't play much on the high school team because I'd, I felt that everybody was trying to flop and get penalties and all this other stuff but my dad was a coach for he was an assistant coach for one of our teams and uh i really remember him you know they're like oh your dad's not here and i'm going yeah i know where he's at he's at the Redbird tavern getting hammered you know i just knew where he was and then he'd show up to the practice drunk you know and and people my friends on the team would be like what's up with your dad how come he's acting all weird? And I was like, oh, I don't know. He must have had a rough day at work. So I felt like I had to try and cover for it. And then as time progressed, um, you know, I remember sitting up at nighttime waiting for my dad to come home. And he left. He left at like 4 o'clock in the morning because he was he worked at a, it was called National Steel and Shipbuilding Company in San Diego. And he was a hard worker. The guy had a work ethic that was unmatched to anybody that I knew hardworking guy, love fishing. And I mention that because I feel that those are two attributes that my father gave me. I love to fish and
1: I've got a good work ethic. Sometimes you go to work.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes we're forced to go to work, born to fish, but forced to work. But, um, you know, and just seeing those type of things, I wait up for him and, my mom would just be like, he's not going to be home for a while. Just go ahead and go to bed. So I'd watch these sometimes arguments happen between my mom and dad. And so we were subject to, well, I remember one time I was outside playing with my friends. And, and I see this. I hear something. I hear somebody yell, which I knew was my mom. My dad's kind of heading out towards the door. And I see a pack of large pack of bologna go flying out the door to my dad that might have connected with his head at one point. I don't know, but I was just like, Oh man, this is nuts. But it was just like, that was a perfectly good pack of bologna that just went flying out the window. But you know, so, and as I grew up, I remembered that I didn't want to be that person that got drunk. And things like that. But I loved my dad. Loved him with everything I had. I loved my mom. And I have one brother who's nine years older than me. Um, But as time grew on, through high school, later years of high school, we'd go to parties, drinking. We'd always have a designated driver. That doesn't make anything better, but we knew we were doing stuff that we shouldn't do. Always trying to look for a girl, but I never had the gumption to go up and talk to him. Uh, we'd go down to Tijuana, Mexico since we oh, lived in yes. San Diego, cross the border, drink underage at 18. I, I, I smoked some weed. I didn't do a whole lot of it, but it was just like, you know, what am I doing? And I had other friends that were involved in it and tried to suck me into it. And I, fortunately, I stayed away from it, but, uh, and, and then when I met my wife, we were in high school, high school sweeties. So we've been together. Well, we graduate I graduated in '87. How long?
0: A few years. A few years. You graduated in '87.
2: We graduated in '87, and that's I we started dating in December of '86. So, but and that's the thing. We were both unbelievers. Yes, I went to a Catholic church. I was an altar boy. Yeah, when we were up before a wedding service, we went into the back and we drank some of the wine that was back there <laughs> prior That's to easy. the service that didn't go really well.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow.
2: Um, imagine.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, just just stuff right. growing up and trying to figure out who I was. Mm-hmm. Freshman in high school, I had no idea who I wanted to be by the time I was a senior I thought I had these aspirations to do great things but it was just like just really didn't know what to do. And uh, so prior to becoming born again I I met my wife in high school my senior year like I said and we didn't do things from a Christian standpoint as far as refraining from sex or anything like that. You know, we did all of that. And by the time we got married, we were still unbelievers because the Bible talks about being equally yoked. So I think we were equally yoked as far as the fact that we were unbelievers, but we should have been swinging the other way, right. you know, and we didn't realize that. Or we refused to. I don't know what which one was which. And, um, you know, so... She was pregnant with her first child before we got married, which it was just kind of like you know we didn't we didn't even care about that we d- we just knew that we wanted to be with each other so I'm kind of bouncing around a lot and I'm sorry for no, that fine. um but as we got married and and saw things, you know it was just like um.
0: I'm sorry. Sure. (laughs) And she was. She accepted Christ before you did. Yeah. This is a gift, man. I'm. I'm. I'm hanging on that right now. This is a gift.
1: You're touched, bro.
0: This is that being real part.
1: I mean, this is. It's.
0: This is good.
2: You know, and there was, there was stuff beforehand that it was just like, you know, I looked at girls in a different way that I shouldn't have when we were married and had thoughts that I shouldn't have had. So it resulted in, you know, looking at pornography. And it was just like, what the heck am I doing? But I didn't care. I knew who loved me and that was her, but it wasn't him. It wasn't God that I was seeking. And, uh, you know, I started, I don't even know if I felt guilty about it, but because of who she is, she started attending a church with a friend of hers and, um, She's like, you should go. And I'm like, no, I don't need to go to that. You know, I'm a Catholic. I'd throw that excuse out of her. And I felt like at times because of who she was, and this is the part that kills me the most, is because of who she was becoming in Christ, that I was kind of like throwing her under the bus. Then the bus would stop. The bus stops. The bus goes, oh, I felt something there. So they backed up and ran over her again. It was like, oh, we don't see anything. And then the bus went again forward in the same direction. So she got run over three times. You know what I'm saying? It was like three times under the bus in one shot. And I I was mocking her for what she was. And I think of out of all the weird, crazy stuff that I've done, that that was like the biggest heartbreak. Besides the fact that when um, I stole money from my mom. So I went in and I did these interviews. I'm going to switch back to what what I did to my mom too, because it kills me. Um, I was doing interviews for uh, State Park Ranger in California. And I had this long, like three-hour interview with the psych. And the psych says, and this was the last part, and he'll decide whether you're stable enough to go into being a state park ranger. And he asked me, and he goes, okay, this one's going to be a little tough. What's the worst thing you ever did? What do you feel is the worst thing you ever did? And I paused for a little bit, and I said, because I wasn't a born-again Christian yet, so all the other stuff didn't really matter, but the thing that stuck out was, and I told him, I said, I stole money from my mom. He goes, really, do you want to share with me about that? And so I told her that, told him, I said, well, you know, I stole 20 bucks at one time. I stole 40 bucks at another time. You know, I think with the 20 bucks I stole the first time, I think I bought the Rolling Stones Tattoo You album, if that puts a time frame out, you know, and bought some stuff for my girlfriend or took her out. And my girlfriend at the time is my wife today. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But, and he goes, so why was that such a bad thing? And I said, because at that point, she lost all trust in who her son was. And I had to work like a mad dog to earn that trust back. So fast forward as, I, as she was trying to get me to go to church, we'd go to church, and I was like,
0: okay, I'll go. Is this your wife? Yeah. Okay.
2: This is my wife now, because I'd grown up, like I said, in the Roman Catholic Church, and I just went through the motions there.
0: Oh, you're a great kid, you know. I've heard a
2: lot of people say that. Yeah, you're a great kid, and you're dealing with all this yuck inside of you. So I sucked it up, and I went to church. She's like, what would you think? And I was like, I didn't like it. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it sucked. Never going back. <laughs> Never going back, man. Never. <laughs> uh-uh. Forget this place. You guys are a bunch of kooks, you know. <laughs> And, I mean, that was just kind of like my thing. And, you know, from that, as I'm watching her, I I still didn't feel remorse for throwing her under the bus, which I felt was just horrible. I look back at it now, and it just makes me want to cry. So we go to church another week. And I'm sitting in there, and, and, and there was a couple of guys in the church. One guy's name was Manuel, good friend of mine lives in Grants Pass, Oregon now. And he was, him and another guy were always uh, encouraging me, you know, hey, what's going on? Asking me questions. Are you doing okay? And stuff like that. And so we came into church one day, and I think I might have mentioned it here before, but um, Todd Agnew plays a song called Grace Like Rain. Mm-hmm. And we did CD worship. It wasn't live worship that was planned. And as that song is playing, I just, I kind of, I was off to the side of their little sanctuary in this church we were going to and literally just fell down on the ground, hands spread out. I think the word is called prostrate on the floor, crying, sniveling. What a wretch. And he was there to just save me. So after that happened, it, it took a little while. But I came back to my wife and, and I got down on my knees and I begged for her forgiveness. And she goes, I said, I need your forgiveness. She goes, well, why? And I said, because as you were finding who you were in Christ, I literally threw you under the bus. How do I, how do I make that better? It was like the worst thing that I had ever done. If I could go back and tell that psychologist that was interviewing me for that State Park Ranger position that I didn't get. I was close, man. I was close. But the budget crashed in California and they put a two-year hiring freeze on all that stuff. So anyways, it was just the worst thing that I felt that I could have done was mock her for who she was and who she was becoming. and, And she just... She goes, I forgive you. And she grabbed a hold of me and she never let go.